You are listening to Rumination Law and Gospel on this Thursday, August the 25th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Tom. You know, I got something to say to you. Okay, we'll talk Happy. after the program. Happy anniversary. What anniversary? We've been doing this. Well, we've been doing this uh, Thursday format or Wednesday format for the last ten years. Oh, Since I've been on the air for twenty-five years. Yeah, I know you've been on a lot longer, but you brought me on board one day a week about ten years ago. Oh, uh, you've been with been me that, that long. long? No. Yeah, uh, it even surprised me. <laughs> What's your wife say? At first, she she said, "You think more of Tom Baker than you do me," but uh, as as she well, that's true. Yeah, as she started listening more and more to to what we were saying, yeah. she became a listener. Excellent. Well. We've got a few thousand others. But today we're going to be talking about an article, an email that was sent to us by uh, Joseph Madera. He's a uh, internationally known author, uh, leads several organizations, including the U.S. Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. And the title of his email is, Will Preaching God's Word soon be illegal. And he's got an incident that happened in California that makes him think that that may be coming. What was that incident? Well, the the California State Assembly approved a bill called AB 2943. And according to this bill, the church can no longer preach or teach that homosexuality is wrong and cannot try to correct their, that behavior. Yeah, this is really quite amazing because what we're dealing with here is a government telling the church, a religion, what they can preach and what they cannot preach. And many are concerned about the ramifications of this. One astute Facebook user commented, Editing the Bible would be the next logical step. And what surprised me was the vote in the California Assembly that approved this bill. What were the numbers? 50 to 18. Yeah, that kind of surprised me, too. Yes. Although although they say the bill has since kind of died in the process, but it's the fact that it came forward. And that it was adopted. In fact, what was it telling churches? That those that uphold traditional beliefs, if they advocated their views about gender and sexual orientation, the bill could sue the church. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, uh, almost like... uh, which you've often brought up going on up in Canada where they're, they're 
high-leveling fines for speaking out against homosexuality. Yes, that's already done in a number of countries. And what they're really against, according to the bill, it declares advertising, offering to engage in or engaging in sexual orientation change efforts with an individual is illegal under the state's consumer fraud law. That's what they're saying. So it's Mm -hmm. illegal if I'm working with a homosexual who wants to repent of that sin and no longer do it, that I can be sued or my church can be sued. It's the earliest... What would you, would you would call a form of persecution uh, against Christians that, that they're trying to level uh, with economics uh, as far as that goes? Yeah, Madara, he also says, I would have the same concern if a law was passed that a church could be sued for preaching on the biblical practice of tithing or that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That if you taught that, he, you could be sued. Why would, why would that be a, a suit? Well, didn't you tell us recently what happened in Elka on the stage? What were they yeah, saying? Which, uh, yeah, explain that a little bit. Who oh, was on you the stage? Mean, uh, the one about uh, concern. Well, uh, it depends on which convention you're looking at. The latest one. No, no, was, I'm talking uh, about the one with the uh, Muslims up there and the. Oh well, that was yeah, that was uh, a convention ago, about three years ago, four years ago, that uh, they had uh, Muslims, Baha'i. Um, you, you name it, uh, uh, a various faith that were on the, uh, the stage. And the uh, president, Norton, uh, of uh, Elka, said these, these are our brothers and sisters in, in the faith. Yes, in Christ. And therefore they were saying that Jesus is not the only way to heaven because none of these individuals believed in Jesus as the way to heaven. And so in in the Elka, they're starting to make all kinds of rules. And that is also true in Elka that you should not engage in trying to change people's sexual orientation, which, which really surprises me because under sexual orientation, not only would include homosexuality, but also pedophilia, rape, etc. Well, we're not supposed to try and change people doing those things. Yeah. Well, their, their last convention, which was just this, this August, was more concerned with social issues than getting the good news of Jesus Christ out. Yes, what's happened with ELCA, it's become a law-oriented rather than a gospel-oriented church. It's trying to teach people how to behave, uh, not to be racist, 
which means everybody has to be considered as racist in order for them to say that you shouldn't be racist. And so there's all kinds of accusations being made that really are breaking the Ten Commandments in speaking ill of your neighbor. And that this whole church body now has gone off the ramps and is no longer not only not Christian in its official position, it's no longer Lutheran for sure. Right. Well, and it kind of plays into this, what we've been reading about, that these people in California who speak against the Church of Christians of being involved in the public square, they they want to stop that that whole message. And that's going on in Elka. It's collapsing in on itself. It's got half its membership of what it used to be uh, 10, 12 years ago. And uh, they're calling for a, a new reformation. I, and I think that uh, they, they've got to merge with somebody to keep their numbers up. Well, these so-called Christians in their official position, which they are not, and also the political realm, like the California State Assembly, what they're voting against is free speech, which abridges the First Amendment. And it really shows how far the radical left will go to enact tyrannical rule. Because, as you said, they criticize Christians who speak in the public square against abortion, homosexuality, etc., but they can speak out against Christians telling them that Jesus is not the only way to heaven and all these other nonsense. So they're really the ones who desire dominion and autocratic ideological rule over society. Now, the author says he doesn't know of one Christian leader who believes the institutional church should have political rule over the nation. Now, I think that needs to be understood properly. How do you understand that? Well, the the framers of the Constitution included principles of freedom of religion and free speech. And uh, they wrote that for a biblical worldview. If you look at the history of the Constitution, it it does have a Christian background. And its great-great-granddaddy comes out of England with the Magna Carta, which ensures the rights of individuals. And behind the the princes and the kings that were signing that document were were priests and the church that were uh, urging on the freedom of speech, the freedom of of religion. Yeah, I was um, really taken by what he was saying here, that the original framers of the United States Constitution made sure it included the principles of freedom of religion and free speech in order that no religion could have political rule over the nation. And I think that was really an interesting point that 
It's freedom of religion and free speech, which now the ultra left is attacking, trying to keep us from saying what the Bible says. A little history trivia. At the time of the framing of the Constitution, what was the number one denomination in uh, the colonies at that time? It was Lutheran. It was? Yep. There were more Lutherans in the colonies. We had Pennsylvania, and then all, spattered all the way through the colonies were Lutheran churches. Sure. And see, these folks shared the biblical belief of original sin and moral depravity. And that led them to institute the three branches of, go of government that counterbalanced each other and prevented an oligarchy by the judiciary or a maniacal leader from exerting tyrannical rule namely the executive branch. And so we're seeing that today where even the Supreme Court is now reversing itself on some really important studies. And of course, people are really angry at that because they don't like the Supreme Court anymore. Well, it can be that it's, it goes against their... their philosophy of what sin is uh, it's some even call it Marxist uh, trying to bring down the, the, the government as well as uh, the, the religious norms of people one of the items he mentions is in the United States the decentralized form of government is really found in scripture Exodus 18 showed the executive and congressional branches in principle, and Deuteronomy 17 showed them working together in principle. And therefore, he says, the Jewish tribes were not held together by a despotic king as the other nations were, but by a shared vision and values based on their covenant with God. And their family and tribal leaders diligently taught their children the Torah, Deuteronomy 6, 6-9. Now, what do we understand as the Torah? Well, the, the law, wouldn't that be the first five books of, of uh, well, it's the Pentateuch, but uh, the Torah was the law that was given down. But also within those five books, we find the gospel. So the word Torah sometimes can refer to the counsel of God and his will. And his will is not only that you should be aware of your sins, but also that you should be aware that a Savior is being sent through the line of Adam and Eve and Abraham, David, Solomon, all the way to Mary and Joseph. You know what you could add to this uh, article is Martin Luther. He believed in the three hierarchies that there was the family, the church, and, and the government. And it was the duty of the church to teach the government and the family 
what God's will was from, from his holy word. We need to recognize that, therefore, the values of our freedom of speech and religion are actually biblical values. And when anybody, includes, including the California Assembly or ELCA, tries to destroy that, then we saw what happened with ancient Israel when they did the same thing. They were taken into captivity by God. And you know where that started with is, was the demand for a king, and they asked for King Saul. They no longer wanted that theocracy or that family uh, thing that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, that's why we as Christians don't have a problem with false religions putting up their buildings or their synagogues or their places of worship, because in the United States, they are granted free speech and religious rights. And therefore, they can say and preach whatever they feel is according to their God. But we can also say and preach what we know the true God says about their religions, where it's false, where it sometimes can be true. Because most religions agree with us that murder is wrong, stealing is wrong, and other commandments. So we're looking forward that in our society, we would have leaders who would be based on God's holy word leading us. And of course, there's great division. He, he talked about the church abandoning culture and went back to the early church that did not do that. What does that mean that the church could abandon culture? Well, it's because the national ethos, formerly the latter, that the constitution of the nation can collapse. This is because it's held together by common values of decency, things like love for the neighbor, respect for all human beings. This leads to a common value of fighting for life, liberty, and justice as the American way. And when you give that up, tyranny comes in. So the church does not abandon culture or go with culture in insisting that the laws of the land are Christian or biblical. But when the laws of the land result in unethical practices, immoral practices, the church needs to speak out to indicate, as Proverbs says very clearly, that God will not will hold us responsible for our sin unless repentance and faith in Jesus Christ takes place. So we don't it, abandon it, the culture. Yeah. Well, the, he goes on to say that this lack of national virtue due to Christians dividing the gospel and abandoning culture focus on personal blessing can cause problems. Wish you would comment on that why the lack of national virtue due to Christians dividing the gospel 
and abandoning their focus on personal blessing. Well, the reason that is true is that when we abandon culture, when we don't speak to the culture, then we're not focusing on the personal blessings the culture can receive. It's very interesting in Proverbs, I believe it's chapter 11, yes, where God says, when you have good leaders, that makes for a good country. And when you have bad yeah. leaders, you are in moral decay and things start going backwards. So if this law is passed in California, it could also spread to other progressive copy states, permeate the national conversation, and it could lead it to be the law of the land. And this will essentially mean making the unedited Bible and the preaching of the Bible illegal. What do we mean by unedited Bible? <laughs> it sounds like higher criticism to me, to me where yes. you look at the Bible and, and, and you decide, you, the person, decide what is going to be the Word of God and what isn't. Yeah, I just heard a reason why the ELCA has women pastors. They said that Paul was a man of his time. And then they went on to say that he didn't like women at all in leadership positions. And that's the reason he was against women ordination. Now, I find that very interesting that they are now accusing the apostle to the Gentiles inspired by the Holy Spirit to have such a dislike of a particular sexual orientation that he would change the teachings of God, even though those teachings are found throughout the Bible. Now it's because Paul doesn't like women. And wouldn't you say that believers versus unbelievers that that is really coming from a, a unbelieving society, or even those within the church that are not no longer believing the Bible as the true Word of God. Yes, an unedited Bible, when you read Genesis, means that God created the world in six 24-hour days. An edited Bible changes that to say he did that by evolution. And the real problem with evolution is now there is no necessity for God to even exist because all these things come about by chance. You know, I, I like eating when we travel around to various churches and I like a peach, I like an apple, I like a grape. And as I'm eating them, I'm looking at them and saying, how could a grape evolve into an apple or a peach <laughs> evolve into a banana or a monkey evolve into man? You, you really have to be totally unscientific because there's no evidence that those things happen at all. Right. And when you look at from Genesis to Revelation, we look at various cultures, various uh, writers. We have one author, which is God himself, and, and uh, many writers. 
Whereas Second Peter 1 says, No prophecy was ever made by the act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Well said. I, I like the way he ends the article. If the overall church doesn't wake up, serve humanity, and influence culture the way the generation of the original framers did, we may find the Bible outlawed the way it was in Russia, China, and all tyrannical atheistic nations that neither fear God nor respect the fundamental rights of humankind. It kind of reminds me of Acts 4.12, where, where the, the Jewish council was telling Peter no longer to speak, and he said, there's no other name given among men why, why I wish we must be saved, that uh, it is Christ alone. Exactly. And apart from that faith in God, which the church's task is to help people cannot be saved. By the way, it's not only in California that this is occurring. Uh, it's also occurring in Florida. And we're going to talk about that on tomorrow's email, Friday. But if anyone wants to send us an email about anything of what we talk about during our 10th anniversary, well, then go ahead. It's law and gospel at lawandgospel101.com. And we'll be glad to reply uh, to those emails. In fact, you keep telling me of more people you're finding in Illinois listening to the program. Right. And the reason I know it's the 10th anniversary is I got my catechisms that I use for the program, and I date in them okay well thank you very much pastor reimnitz i'm pastor baker on tomorrow's law and gospel as indicated it's an email friday where we will respond to items that we receive in the email until then we're saying to you god bless you Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.